Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Black Girl Going Afterthoughts. I, of course, am your host, Amara, and I am here with my husband and my co-host, Jason. What's up, y'all? So today is a special day. Not the day you guys are listening to the episode because you're going to hear it tomorrow. But today, March 15th, is a very special day because it is our two-year podiversary. Pot of it's a podiversary. <laughs> it's our podiversary. Um, you know, which just means it's our two-year anniversary. Podiversary is just some trendy way to acknowledge that your podcast is at a yearly milestone. But um, yeah, it's been two years today that we released the first three episodes of the Black Girl Going podcast. Unbelievable, honestly. It's been a long road. It's been a long road. It feels like, it, sometimes it feels like longer. I think we talked about this when we did the 100th episode. Like, it felt like there was way more episodes. And there's sometimes where it feels like it's been longer, but, you know, it, it's, it's you know, two years. Man. Yeah, well, congratulations on your hard work. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It has been a journey. Um, I never... <laughs> And when I started this podcast, I never, ever, ever in a million years thought that um, it was going to do what it has done, um, that it would reach the audience that it has reached, that it would make the impact that it has made. And I definitely didn't foresee me doing it two years later. I just, it, you know, because I figured, hey, this is really probably not going to work and then I'm going to quit and then that's just going to be what it is. Um, but, you know, almost immediately I saw that People like this show. People needed this show. People were interested in this topic. Um, and so we've been able to keep going because of you guys, you guys listening and um, sharing and just just everything that you guys do to help the show. It's been um, a big, been, been the biggest part of it. Um, it. It, you know, keeps me going. It helps me stay motivated, even in the day, on the days and the times where I'm just like, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing this. Um, I know that there are stories that still need to be told. And I know that there's an audience out there that is waiting to hear these stories. So yeah, so it's the two-year anniversary. I'm really, I'm really happy. I'm really proud of the work that we've done. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, congrats. Congrats. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. So I just wanted to acknowledge that before we got into this week's Afterthoughts episode, 
So we did something a little, well, this is the first Afterthoughts episode where we covered a solved case. Right. So this is a little different for us because the other cases we've, well, the Carol Jenkins, um, the, the the woman that was murdered in the Suntown Town, that was kind of solved, but right. it, it took a really long time. So there was a lot of different things to kind of work through and there were a lot of questions. Um, <clears throat> but this case is the first case where we did where um, it was pretty obvious and and the, you know, even though it still took eight years, um, this case was solved. Yeah, so, they got him. They got him. Yeah. So, uh, so let's get right into the case uh, recap. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Nyla. 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 Yes. Franklin. Yes. Nyla. Um, let's get into a recap. Uh, yeah. Let's go. So, um, if you listen to this week's story, you know that we told the story about the murder of Nyla Franklin who was 28 years old. Um, she was uh, living in Chicago from Chicago, Illinois, working as a pharmaceutical sales rep for Eli Lilly, owned her own condo, just, you know, young, single, beautiful, living, you know, a life, like I said, that a lot of people would love to have. Um, she was dating, met a man named Reginald Potts, um, dated him for a while and then figured out that he wasn't who he said he was. Um, we'll get into that a little bit, you know, after I finish the recap. But he said, find out he wasn't who he said he was. They broke up. Um, she started dating someone else. Um, and then, you know, part of her, you know, wanted to kind of alert the other women in his life. And she did. Uh, he got mad. Um, and then Naila disappeared on dis- on September the 18th, 2007. And nine days later, her body was found in a wooded area in a suburb of Chicago. And um, not long after her murder, uh, Reginald was arrested. But it took eight years for him to be brought to trial. However, after eight years of delays, he was tried and then convicted for the murder of Nightly Franklin. So that is the overall recap about the story and about the case, um, about what happened. Yeah. Um, before we uh, keep going mm-hmm. and talk about some interesting things about this case, um, of course, one thing that I can say about this case mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, when you are, you know, I, I, you can't blame her for wanting to date a certain type of person. Mm-hmm. I always tell people this, um, you know, we've been married for 12 I'll give that. We've been married for 12 years now. Mm-hmm. And I always tell um, people, whether it's a young man or a young lady, you have the right to go after the type of person that you want to date, yeah. marry, mm-hmm. court. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people are like, well, it's superficial. Mm-hmm. No. If you want a brother that got money, you are allowed to date, even if it's just money. Even if he's not fine, you <laughs> no matter what his situation is, you're allowed yeah. to to say, well, that's what I want out of um out of my dating yeah. situation. You're totally allowed to do that. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you, know? you are. I think that's a great point. I think that's a I think that's a good point because sometimes people look at a woman um who um like Naila wanted to date men, like I said, of a certain caliber, and we'll judge that and be like, well, why does that? Because it, and sometimes it does matter. And we all know that that's not the only thing that matters. No, yes, a person of course not. still has to be 
a good person and he still has to be, if that's what you're, you know, a kind person and somebody who doesn't cheat on you. Like right. most women honest. want that. Yeah, you know course. what I mean? An honest person. But it's okay for you to have achieved certain things in your life and want someone who matches those achievements, who is not going to be, and I don't want to say burden, but sometimes it can be a burden. You know what I mean? And it doesn't always have to be. We all know that there are situations where there are relationships where people are earning different levels, where there's women that are earning more than their husbands and their husbands are not a burden on them. So I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that it's okay for you as a single woman to find what you want. If it's a church, that's where you should. If it's that's, a church boy, if it's whatever if it's it is a, that you want, you know, if, if you, it's a past, whatever it is, exactly. You know. and, and in Naila's situation, she was 28 years old. She had a great job working as a pharmaceutical sales rep for Eli Lilly. She owned her own condo in New York, and in, in, sorry, in Chicago. She's doing well. Right. You know what I mean? So, it, 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 first of all, the circles that she's even going to be in because of the the money that she makes and the things that she likes, she's going to automatically meet men that are like that. Right, you know of course. I mean? And nobody ever said that she refused to date men that weren't white collar. Nobody, I, I, I didn't see anybody who said that about her. She just, these were the men that she dated. These were the men that she also attracted. So... Um, yeah, there's that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's okay. get right into it. Uh, let's talk about some of the interesting things yeah. about this particular case. Well, I think it's good that you kind of started off with what you started off because that segues into kind of the first part. Now, usually when I do this, I kind of do it in like chronological order of kind of the things that have happened because it usually just works out that way. Um, but I think this week, because we have the you know, we know that the case was solved and we know that Reginald Potts is serving a life sentence for um, Naila's murder. I wanted to kind of start off with the Reginald Potts situation. Um, and it does, and, and I guess chronologically, it does kind of fit in because this is where it all kind of starts with right. him. Um, and so she meets Reginald and, she, you know, he tells her that he's a real estate investor. And, you know, he doesn't just tell her this. He has a Bentley that he's driving and he's looking to park. And, you know, he lives in this luxury condo. So he's not just, like, talking. Like, she can see that he's successful, at least outwardly. You know, he's looking to part or whatever. And so she dates him for a little while. And then she starts to find out little things about him. She starts to realize that he is not who he said he was. Now, and the there's a Dateline episode about him. And I mentioned this in the, I mean, about the case. I mentioned this in the episode. Um, there's a Dateline episode. It's called Smoke and Mirrors. I think the episode is called, I'm not sure. I think it just came out like 2022, I think the season. So I'm not sure. But yeah, if you're looking for it, it's called Smoke and Mirrors. And um, in that episode, the detectives that work the case, they say that after, you know, they start looking at Reginald as being a suspect, they go to his house or his apartment and he don't have any furniture in his apartment. Right. He just got like she's. They, the, the detective says he had like eight pairs of Gucci shoes. Oh no, he went in. So they went in. Yeah, they the went. Apartment. They, they, he goes, they go into the apartment. Right. Um, and I think that they. I think either this is when they're searching the apartment, or they just go in there to talk to him. I'm not sure, but they go inside the apartment and they notice like this doesn't look like the the apartment of someone who has a lot of money and lives inside of a luxury building. He doesn't. He. She said the mattress was on the floor. Um, he didn't have a couch. Like he's just like he's just basically squatting, squatting right. inside of this apartment. But he has plenty of clothing that's expensive. Gucci shoes, you know, all of this, you know, expensive clothing. Um, and so they knew right away that it was clear that he wasn't, you know, pretending to be this person. And so 
that's probably the things that Naila started to realize. Like, I don't know if she ever went to this man's apartment. She, I, I, It's hard to imagine the amount of time that she knew him and dealt with him that she didn't. And maybe he gave her excuses at first, like, I'm getting new furniture. It's, <laughs> I don't know. It's easy. I mean, it's, 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 easy, it's, an easy, yeah, it's easy. easy thing to do. It's easy. And then he may have avoided her coming to his place for yeah. as long as he possibly could. Either of those things could happen. But whatever it was that that started to let her know that he wasn't who he was, say he was, <clears throat> more and more things about him started to come out. Right. And so eventually she decides she's done. And she sends him this email. And the email basically like just lays everything out. She he she knows that he's been lying to her about his past. He he's a he's you know been arrested. He's a criminal. Um, you know she knows that she she thinks that he's got another girlfriend. That he had a whole girlfriend the whole time. Um, basically everything that he's told her in the time that they knew each other has been a lie. And she also found out that he had children that she did not know about that he had not told her about. So this is just. Just lie after, yeah, lie. lie after lie after lie after lie. And so she <clears throat> sends him this email and she, you know, breaks breaks things off with him. Now, I don't know, and I even had the court records. I don't know if he replied to that email. There didn't, there wasn't any mention of him acknowledging that email. But nonetheless, um, she sends him that email. And around the same time she sends him this email, she meets this guy named Andre. Andre is a lawyer. He's from Milwaukee. He's a nice guy, complete opposite of Reginald, and they start dating. And even though it's a long-distance relationship, they get really close really quickly, um, and they start making plans to, you know, move in together, and, you know, it's getting serious. Um, but there's a part of Nyila that um, is feels really disrespected by what... Um, Reginald did, how he treated her, the way, you know, one of the other things that she mentioned in the email is that he was like flirting with her friends and just being just, just a jerk, like just yeah. all of these, like just a terrible human being. Um, and so she, um, it's, it's a part of her that can't let this go. And, right. you know, and I think that comes into, you know, one of the questions that I think a lot of people had is like, well, why couldn't she let that go? Why didn't she just... Let it go. She met Andre. She could have just, you know, forget Reginald. That ain't my problem no more. I'm going to move on. But she didn't. And I think that many of us would have. Many of us have just been like, well, forget this, you know. This dude. This dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Forget, forget, forget him. I'm, I've, I met a new guy. I'm cool. But um, I think that kind of speaks to Naila's personality, that there was a part of her that felt very disrespected, but also felt compelled to tell the other women in his life. Because if he was, you know, what she knew him to be, which was a fraud, and there was some danger in that, then there was a part of her that obviously felt like those women had a right to know. And as as kind of like dangerous as that ended up being for her, that's kind of the thing that you want you kind of wish, you know, women would do for each other. Like, you yeah, knew give, he was a hey, jerk. Give, yeah, you knew he head. was beating on you. Right. Why didn't you give tell me? me? Exactly. Right. So there's that There's that kind of thing that we also want from each other. Like, right. you know, you want a woman to be like, well, girl, if he was beating and cheating on you, you could have told me. You know what I mean? You could have let me know because, you know, that could have saved me. And I think that maybe that was her motivation. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe and, she was like the sacrificial 
Yeah, and and she didn't even you know, probably person. think about like think about how life is. Like you meet this guy, you know he's not, but do you think that he's going to murder you? I'm pretty sure she did not think that. Yeah. Um, Naila also has sisters, and so as a sister, she might have imagined her being a sister. You know what I mean? And and them and this happening to her sisters and what she would have done and how she would have felt, and that might have motivated her to want to reach out to you know, his his girlfriend, his baby mother, to tell her what was going on so that she knew. Um, and she didn't know. Right. So, it, it, you know, it was um, information that Naila ended up pulling her coat about. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, just my opinion mm-hmm. um, on on that, that whole part of the situation. Mm-hmm. My opinion is that she might have, you know, talked to... The other young young ladies he was you know dealing with, or the other young lady that he was dealing with, mm-hmm. um, you know, more or less not because not because she was mad that you know he was lying, mm-hmm. or because you know all of this other stuff surrounding his lifestyle, mm-hmm. but more because that he was just not being honest about people that he was dealing with. Because mm-hmm. I think that if you're dating somebody, I feel like you can kind of get over the fact of maybe he wasn't, maybe he didn't have all of this stuff, but he still was a good guy and mm-hmm. honest to you and he loved you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe he was trying to impress you or maybe, you know, yeah. you know, I don't know, maybe he was hoping that, you know, he could kind of get himself, I don't together. know, get himself together yeah. and, you know, tell you like, hey, you know, I'm sorry I didn't have all this stuff. But you know, I you know I really love you, and I really you know want to be with you. Mm-hmm. But I think the part that you know maybe took her over the edge was you know the other women. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think that it, like I said, I think that if it had just been, listen, I'm not exactly where I want to be financially, and I'm trying to get there. That that might be that's forgivable, even if it started off with a lot. She may have been able to forgive that, but yeah, lying about having children—that's not—that's a bad sign. Like, why are you lying about you have children, that three too. children? Yeah, you have that, three children. Yeah. Not just you have three children. You're lying about like that's that's weird. Um, you know, then she found out that he had this criminal past, which was also sketchy, and then he, it was just too many things. It was just like. All the things that would be a red flag for you in a relationship, he had all of those things. Children he didn't, he wasn't claiming, uh, a girlfriend, a criminal passed, lying about his finances. Like, all of those are red flags. Red flags. And um, Naila, you know, she was she was smart. And she was just like, I'm, I'm not, not going to deal with this. But she did have this, like I said, this part of her that decided that she wanted to tell these other women. Yeah. And when Reginald, well, at least we you know of the other woman, the 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 one, the mother of his youngest child, um, who, like I said in this story, um, was really grateful for Naila, you know, coming to her, woman to woman. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's more, more like I said in the story, like most women, you know, I'm coming to you as a woman to tell you about your man. That doesn't really usually go like that. You know what I mean? Um, but um, she was grateful for the information and they yeah. ended up keeping in contact for months after that. Um, and so, you know, and she ended up confiding in Naila about Reginald and about how he had been abusing her. And so she, 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 she started to find out even more about him even after they broke up. And that might have driven her, you know what I mean? Um, because now she knows that not only is he a liar and a cheater, but he's also abusive. Now he's, we, I know that he's beating on this woman, you know, or he has yeah. been. So, Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, let's get to something else. Okay. That um, you find interesting about this case. Yeah. So, um, the 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 next thing that stood out to me was okay. So we know that, um, after Nyla goes missing, and she's missing for nine days, uh, her body is found in a wooded area in a suburb of Chicago that's behind this building that Reginald Potts' brother-in-law owned. It used to be like a video store or something like that. It's closed, and her body is found there. Now, as police are going now and, you know, really ramping up this investigation because now they know it's a it's a homicide and they, you know, they've, they found her body, they end up speaking to witnesses at the apartment building where Nyla lived. And witnesses start identifying Reginald as being there in the days prior to her disappearance. He's seen several times, actually, in the building. And then they pull their surveillance footage. And on their surveillance footage, sure enough, they see Naila and Reginald together. And maybe an hour after she was last, anybody had last contacted her, or within that hour. Um, and they're coming off the elevator and they're seen going into the garage. And then there's, there's another footage of them, um, and they're walking and she's in front of him. And so they get all of the surveillance footage. So it's clear that Reginald was with her then, but the interesting part about the surveillance footage was how long it took them to find that out, to find the surveillance footage when they kind of knew really early on that Reginald was a potential suspect and they had this information about him and, you know, his threats against her and her um, attempt to get a, a restraining order and all of that. And so it's it's interesting to me that it took them so long to to get that footage. Because that seems like that would have really would have been first thing, the first, first thing. And I think right. that somebody asked one. Of, that was one of the questions that somebody asked yeah. about. You know, why did it take them so long? We'll get to, into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, but you know, it's it's really one of the most most interesting things because it begs the question: Why didn't they do that? Now, I think to me, the fact that. Um, Naila's sister, Leah, was a, um, or probably still, I don't know, but worked in PR, was in, worked in as a PR executive in Chicago and okay. was able to use her contacts to get her sister's story on the news, like, within 24 hours of her going missing. Is, because she says in the Dateline episode, like, I know how young Black women are treated by the media when they go missing. I know that they weren't going to pick up my sister's story. And so she just had the ability to call her media contacts. And within 24 hours, the next day, her sister's story is, you know, being wow. plastered all over the local news. Yeah, that's, that's you're talking about a, a, a good contact. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's, and that, you know, the, the sad part is, is that most people don't have they that have ability. They have that type of you know I mean? They yeah. don't, they don't. But her sister recognized very early on, immediately, that, um, that number one, her sister wasn't just gone. She wasn't just, you know, out and not being, something was, something was wrong. Um, she contacted the police right away, and then she contacted her media contacts and got her sister's story out there. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, Naila 
was found dead. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, there was a, a tragic end to this story, but it, 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 you know, their, their knowledge of, of knowing that their sister's story wasn't going to get out there unless they did something about it. That's, that's this, that's many people's story. That's many of these family stories. Like I said, they just don't all have the, um, ability to contact media. They don't have those contacts, but, um, having to do this on their own is something that, that a lot of them have to do. Um, But yeah, so, so yeah, that, and, um, you know, the surveillance, um, you know, this, like I said, the surveillance is, is, is it's a, there's a lot of questions about that about the surveillance footage for sure, or, okay. and and the and the timing I should say the timing of when not questions about it because it's clear what's happening but there's questions about the timing of the footage okay when they found it okay uh, that's good let's uh, go to anything else that you have just for yeah, interesting just one last thing um, before we get into a few of the questions that we got this week okay um, it's the messages that were received by Naila when she was missing. So Naila is um, last contacted via email. She's emailing Andre the morning of her disappearance. They emailed all the time. I was thinking about. I was thinking back about emailing, and I'm like, why was I emailing like this? And I'm like, wait, that's that's what you didn't do. That like that was a more a method of communication. Like, <laughs> yeah. and even and even after that, because I'm thinking like even after we met. We would email, like we would, we would email. be emailing back, and we would have I would like email long. You at work, yeah. We would have these day. long email oh, chains. Jesus. <laughs> so, Put myself out there, yeah. So imagine like you were in another state, like we would have been emailing all day long because it was an easy, fast way of communication. Like Free. 2007, like people were texting, but people weren't texting as much. Like texting right. has gotten more and more and more popular, especially with the touch screen phones and all yeah. of that. You know, ooh, ooh, ooh. back but, then you had the palm, you had palm, yeah. Like you and and texting was still that something was that people it. were getting used to like right. 2007 you right. know what i mean like so um email definitely was a method of communication so yeah so anyway so she's emailing andre back and forth and then she calls out of work and then nobody hears from naila again hours go by no communication andre had tried to reach out to her her sister had tried to reach out to her no no answers on her no answer from her phone and then all of a sudden out of the blue she starts her well her phone starts sending messages to um, her sister, her boyfriend, another friend of hers, her coworkers, and none of these messages make any sense. And so it's, you know, um, you know, what, the messages to the coworkers, she's saying that she's working someplace where they, they know she's not working. Um, the messages to her sister, I don't know what all of the messages to, uh, to Andre and, and her sister were, but what we do know is that, um, Eventually, she reaches out to both of them, or the phone, as she said. The phone, they get a message from the phone, which says, you know, hey, I'm out to dinner. Uh, I'll call you later. And they both knew that that was weird because, right. like I said in the story, Nayla, first of all, she always answered the phone. And so even if she was out at dinner, like, who are you out at dinner with that you couldn't answer the phone? So she still would have answered the phone. And Andre had been talking to her. He, she never mentioned anything about going out to dinner. Like, nobody knew anything about her going out to dinner. And so you have these, you know, you have all these strange messages. And then she sends a message to her ex. Well, the, I keep saying her because I, we, we know that this is not Naila at this point. But a message goes out to her uh, uh, ex-boyfriend or somebody that she used to date. And he's like, this just came out of the blue. And he's like, then a call comes through. And he's like, I can hear a voice saying, can you hear me? Can you hear me? But he's not sure if it's Naila or not because the call is like muffled. Then the call disconnects. 
immediately the, the the phone calls back. He before he can answer, it disconnects again. And then when he calls back, it goes straight to voicemail. And so that right there, that incident right there, I I I was, you know, I don't believe that Naila was sending those messages. I don't believe she sent them obviously about going to dinner and whatever other strange message she was receiving. But I do wonder if at one point she was trying to make calls from her phone and she was just calling anybody. Like, was she in the trunk of a car and she had her phone and she's just trying to dial? Yeah. Is she, is she, um, you know, drugged? Is she unconscious? Like, is she going? Is she, is she running? Yeah, is she, is she running? Because like the, when he says that he hears what it says, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And it sounds like her, but he's not sure. Like, so is, does she have her phone somehow? Is she trying to hide it? Is she whispering and she, and she just reached out? Because that connects to the fact that, oh, that there's 911 calls that come from her phone. There's several 911 calls that come from her phone that night that all um, are pinged in an area that's near Reginald's apartment. And so then again, but but there's no voice. So then again, it makes you wonder, is that was that Naila calling 911? Was she trying to get their attention without getting his attention? You know what I mean? Because if he's, if she's like, if she's with him, right, and he's threatening her and she's in the car and she has access to her phone. She might have been trying to just dial 911 and maybe get them to hear without signaling him. Um so yeah, so those are just all really really crazy, really sad parts of the story because you don't know which which one of those calls were was Naila if it was if it was Naila um yeah. So that was that was something that I just really wanted to to point out because that was that like whenever there's messages or texts or calls from somebody who at that point you know is missing. We kind of had that situation in the last episode with um uh Delisa Kelly, where her she gets the her parent, her sister gets the pocket dial from her. It's just it's always so just disturbing to know that they were either trying to reach out for help um or or something, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into some of the questions that were asked by uh, Black Girl Going listeners. Not a lot of questions this week. Of course, this week was a solved case, uh, which, of course, would uh, mean that there is less questions since uh, there was an answer to this case. Um, but as always, we would like you guys to tap in, you know, uh, give your thoughts, your opinion. Uh, this is just a free format for you to you know, ask your question or, you know, just comment. So uh, let's get into it. Mm -hmm. The first question that I see, go straight from the top, um, comes from Instagram. This question, let's go. It reads, I'm curious as to how he came into her home. Mm -hmm. Did she let him in? Did he catch her off guard? Because I can't imagine her willingly allowing him in. But stranger things have happened. Yeah, I, that's a great question because I thought about that too when I saw um, the footage of the CCT, the CCT footage, the the surveillance footage that scene. Um, the date Dateline plays it on their episode, and the 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 interaction between them, like you can't obviously hear anything, and it's just surveillance footage. But it seems really strange, and so it does 
beg the question, like, how did he get to her apartment? Like, we, okay, so we know that he was stalking her, or at least stalking the, well, he was stalking her, uh, before um, she disappeared because people saw her, saw him in the parking lot, sitting in his car, saw him in the hallway of the apartment building. So he was clearly watching her. Right. How he got access to her, I don't know. Maybe she was leaving and he saw her and and encountered her in the hallway as she was leaving out of her apartment. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe she was on her way to go somewhere um, and he was waiting for her. And when she came out of her apartment, he threatened her. Um, but, you know, that would be a good question because we, according to the coroner, she died of um, asphyxiation. And they determined that because um, when her body was found, it was it was really badly decomposed by at that point. And so um it was there was things about it that they couldn't tell, but they had determined that it that the cause of death was asphyxiation. But so it, it does make you wonder like, well, how did he get her out of her apartment? Why didn't she, you know what I mean? Like which did she feel like she was in danger at that point? Did he say something to her to um you know, put her mind at ease? Did he say, like, you know, did he, what, what happened? Did he try to, like, was, sweet talk her? Yeah, like, did he try to, like, talk her back? Like, listen, let's let's talk about this. I know this is going too far. Let's just, who knows, you know? Um, you know, she did say in her email that he had a way of, of slipping back into her life. And so, you know, he was clearly, in a lot of ways, a master, manip- master manipulator, that's why he was able to be doing what he did. Um, and so who knows what he did or what he said, whether he threatened her or not. But that is a really interesting question because it does make you wonder. Like, nothing about what you know about the story makes you think that she would have willingly allowed him into her apartment or opened the door for him. Um, but who knows? Who who really knows? You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, part of the mystery. Part of the, yeah, it's part of the honey. And since he ain't talking, we'll, we'll probably never know. Like, yeah. So let's get into a comment, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting comment. Mm-hmm. I wish when she had gotten with the new guy that she left this situation alone with him and never contacted the baby mom. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I, I, you know, I, t- I talked about that um, a little bit earlier. And I think that's, I think a lot of people had that question like, I wish she would have. Um, just left, it, left alone. it alone. And the problem is, is that, you know, nobody knows if that would have made a difference. We don't know why he ultimately decided to kill her, whether he was angry about this or whether he was angry about something else. And maybe she thought that doing that might have made him stop. Yeah, I know? think, yeah, like I said, I don't think in any way that she thought that he was capable of killing her. I don't think that she ever thought that. I do think that she thought that you know, especially once he started threatening her that he was dangerous. But by that point, it was too late that she had already contacted the baby mama. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. by the time he started threatening her, the, the, the deed had already been done. And um, and she wasn't really, in, in terms of, she wasn't really doing anything else. She wasn't stalking him. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't, she just had this, had struck up this relationship with, with the, with the other woman. And I'm sure a lot of that was because she felt bad for her. You know, she got his baby and he's cheating on her and he's lying. Um, but there's no indication that she did anything else to him. She didn't in any other, she didn't call his apartment, but she didn't, you know, she didn't do anything else. So it wasn't really like she was trying to ruin his life in that way. He, whoever he was, whatever he was doing, that was, that was, was what he was, was doing. doing. Yeah. yeah, she didn't. She wasn't. 
really didn't seem to be interested in that. It really was seemed to be more mostly about this woman and maybe protecting her from him. It wasn't necessarily about him. So that's the thing. Like when you think about why he did it, it just it really doesn't make any sense. I mean, he did it because he's a monster and he's you know evil because uh, there's no other reason why he had to kill Naila over this. Like you know, you're a liar and a cheater. You know these things about yourself. You knew this when you met her. Right. So why are you killing her? Because she's found this out about you and she told somebody else. You was already beating on that woman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she knew you weren't a good guy. She knew you weren't, you know what I mean? Like, maybe she wasn't um, as as aware or, you know, as, you know, seeking out information as Naila was about you. But she knew that you weren't a stand-up guy because no man who puts his hands on a woman and beats his girlfriend and is not a, it's not a stand-up man. So yeah. she knew this about him. So so it's just, yeah. So it just, like I said, it just lets you know what type of person he was and that, um, you know, you can question things that Naila did, but I don't believe that um, it, 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 I don't believe that it, it makes a difference because he made a decision to take her life over something that in the grand scheme of things is something that, you know, men do all the time, which all is cheating. All the time. <laughs> which is we'll cheating get, We'll get back to that. Yeah, like, um, you know, and I won't just say men because women cheat and lie too, but it's, it, that's it. It, it's, it's, it happens in relationships. Does. So for him to have gone to, as far as to, the, the same way she could have walked away, he too could have walked away. Yeah. He could have said, you know what? I got caught. First of all, you you could have, whatever you had going on with this other woman, you could have just worked it out. You know, according to the court documents, when he came to her or when she was talking to Naila, um, he would tell her, you know, oh, she's a liar. You know, she don't believe her anything she says. You know, so you could have just kept up with that. You could have just kept up with calling Naila a liar and saying she was crazy or whatever. You didn't have to kill her. You could have just... Took the loss on the chin. You got evicted from the place. The Bentley you were driving wasn't yours. Like, everything was already coming right. out, right? Like, you could have just... It was already out. Yeah, you could have just been like, you know what? The, the, the jig is up. Let me go ahead and, you know. But no. But he decided to to kill her and, and stalk her and then kill her. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go to the last question slash comment. Uh, so many questions on this. Like, why CCTV wasn't checked first? Mm-hmm. And uh, door-to-door inquiries, you know, weren't made, mm-hmm. I guess she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, why wasn't he mo- moving up on a list of suspects? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he the prime one to start with after all the threats and also letting him go before checking his alibi? All of those things kind of mixed in is... Yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting is, uh, thing. Yeah, kind of messy. Because they end up finding out that his alibi w- was lying. And yeah. the, the funny thing is that according to... But I could find, they didn't even find this out because Virginal wasn't arrested until three months after the murder. And so they didn't find out that the alibi, or the, the alibi didn't admit to lying until December. And then that's shortly after that, Virginal was arrested. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of questions. I That's what I was saying about the surveillance. Like, why did, you know, they knew this information about Virginal very, very, very early on. Her family had told them, her boyfriend had told them, they knew this. So why, yeah, I mean, the letting him go thing initially, I think that that probably was procedure. Like, they didn't have evidence at that point to hold him, so they they had to let him go. But his alibi checking, um, that should have been immediate, you know what I mean? And even if the alibi, you know, confirmed where he was, it was easy to confirm where he wasn't because 
they had the surveillance footage. Right. And so he said that he did all these things and he was all around Chicago that day and blah, 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 blah. But the CCTV footage, the, the surveillance footage, had him at her apartment before she went missing. And so it does, you know, you know, raise the question that, you know, what would they, why, why didn't they pull their surveillance footage earlier? But, you know, now that I'm, you know, as I think about it, I'm talking about it, um, you know, sadly, by the time they probably would have gotten the footage, it probably wouldn't have, have made a difference, you know, yeah. because um, it's it, the likelihood is that Naila was killed and was killed that day, was killed that night when she was, when she went missing, that she wasn't, uh, that he didn't hold her captive for days and, and there was a chance to like kick down a door and save her. Um, unfortunately, I think that he, he murdered her, <clears throat> he murdered her that night and, and got rid of her body and, um, and, you know, went about his, went about his day because he's seen back at her apartment later on that evening um, so yeah, so I think I think that's what happened. But you know, there's always questions about the way um, police handle these cases. And like I said, if it wasn't for Leah and her connections to the media and that pressure that put on that was put on the police, um, they probably wouldn't even have done that. Um, so you know, yeah. Last uh, few comments that I'm gonna go to, and uh, this wraps it up. Really murdered this beautiful black educated woman because he couldn't pull the wool over her eyes. But God sees all and knows. Got what he deserved mm-hmm. even though it took those eight years. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was an eight-year process for her family to have to wait for justice. Um, you know, why he played games with the court and filed, fired uh, mm-hmm. attorneys and hired attorneys and tried to act as his own attorney and just played games. Um, but you know, eventually he was convicted and he, you know, he tried to appeal, but that was denied. So he will be spending the rest of his life in um, jail. And yeah, I, I think that's ultimately what it was. I think that Naila was a woman that he could not, he could not fool. He could not, the other women in his life, he was, you know, able to, you know, smile and, you know, and whatever, do and do whatever he did to get them to believe him, whether he was beating on them, cheating on them, whatever. And Naila was like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not the one. Like, I'm not the one ordered to. And what I'm going to do is get away from you, and I'm also expose you in the process. And I think that's just that that just like that just must have been the type of the, woman that she yeah, was. Yeah, it was just and her natural. It's just her natural. Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately, she encountered a demon who decided that he was going to kill her for it. So. Let me tell you something. So, just before we get out of here, mm-hmm. you know, I always I'm 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 connected to music culture because mm-hmm. of you know what I do and mm-hmm. um. And also pop culture. Yeah. Um, so when I heard, you know, this episode, it reminded me, the first thing it reminded me of is Jaheem's song, um, Could It Be? Mm. And how, same thing, mm. Bentley. Mm-hmm. He's riding around his Bentley mm-hmm. and he's cruising and all the girls is looking at him. Mm. Songs like, could it be the chromed out whip? Mm. You know, you know that song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back, of course, and, you know, the Bentley is not his. Is. Mm-hmm. He's just a regular dude mm-hmm. working at a garage and everybody's like, yo, where you been? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's like, yo, where was you at? You know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. and they didn't know mm-hmm. what he was actually doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that he was out, you know, frauding and, mm-hmm. you know, doing these different things. Um, so, you know, that kind of, this this whole story 
and just the deception yeah. is something that's uh something that's just you know out there. Yeah. And you got to be careful. Yeah, I mean people are frauds, you know what I mean? Like I think that's, you know, that's just you know, not all people, but a lot of people are frauds. Like, <laughs> like I, you know, that's just what it is. Like, I don't think I got, I'm not telling y'all nothing you don't already know. Yeah. People are frauds and you have to be careful. And a lot of times people are not who they say they are. I'm not trying to be like a, a Debbie Downer or something right. like that. Like, like all people are terrible. Like, no, not all people are terrible, right. but there are a lot of people out here who are pretending. Um, yeah. We used to call them back in the day, we used to call them imposters. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's people that are they're imposters. They're, they're, they're pretending to be people. And, um, in some ways, you know, we all pretend. In some ways, we all put on a a a a, 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 a act when it need when we need to, whether it's at work or you know, what I'm saying in certain situations, we code switch. You know what I mean? Right. We, we we know how to you know, but but that's not you know, but 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 when I talk about fraud, I mean like people who are obviously who are liars, who right. are not who they say they are, and they and then they use that to harm people. Right. Also, that's the other thing. If if being a fraud was just you being a fraud and that was that, and people would be like, well, this. He's a fraud, you know what I mean? But a lot of times people who are frauds use that fraud to hurt people. <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah. So you have to be careful, whether you're uh, a, a young woman out here, a young man out here. Like, you have to be careful be about careful. the people that you allow in your life, the people that you um, let in your circle. And that's just, you know, that's that, that's I think that's something that, that I feel like a lot of times when, you, when I listen to these or I research these stories is like, that's the thing that I always take away. It's just like sometimes there, there's no way to avoid it. Um, and so there's, like I said, not victim blaming, but just be careful. Be, be careful. careful about yep. the people you be, you are close to and you allow in your life. Because yeah, and, and and listen, if you want to even if you want somebody with a Benz a Bentley, yeah. or if you fall in love with somebody with a bus pass, yeah. be careful. Is that, and when you see that red flag, get away. Get, get away. away. If it's a red flag, it's a red flag. Like don't. Don't hesitate. Like, trust, trust your gut. Like, that's the other thing. Like, trust your gut. Like, you know when something's wrong. Like, yeah. you know this is not right. And and don't don't be blinded by, you know, the glitz and the glamour or the or the kindness or the love bombing or any of those type of things. Like, trust your gut. That's my that's my takeaway. Trust your gut, ladies, gentlemen. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Well, that's it for this week. Um, as always. Thank you guys for listening to Black Girl Going Afterthoughts. We, of course, will be back next week with a brand new episode. And then um, we'll be back again with another Afterthoughts. Happy Potiversary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys, as always. Appreciate you guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.